Welcome to the Property Renovation Podcast with your host, James Woodham, giving you the best tips on achieving the perfect renovation whilst making it as fun, safe, and as cost-effective as possible by hearing from experts in the industry and people that have been through the experience themselves. Let me introduce your host, three times award winner of leading renovation website, House, and over 15 years in the industry, renovating just over 200 properties, James Woodham. Hello and welcome back to the Property Renovation Podcast. My name is James Woodham. And on this episode, we're going to be introducing you to Serene. Uh, Serene is a homeowner that um, constructed a summer house at the back of her garden and uses it as a yoga retreat, um, a yoga space and um, a place to work in a peaceful space. Um, and uh, But just before I introduce you to Serene... Um, don't forget, you can share us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave a review. Uh, the more reviews, uh, hopefully the more listeners, the more the better we grow and the more we can educate homeowners. Uh, you, why don't you come into our community on Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the property renovation podcast. And without further ado, I'll introduce you to Serene. So, Serene, um, welcome to the Property Renovation Podcast. I really uh, appreciate you coming on, um, wanting to talk about your project. Um, and I'm glad I got you on, actually, because I, I saw what you've done in the back of your garden with this summer house, and I thought it, thought it was quite fantastic. So, um, thank you for coming on and uh, wanting to talk about it. I w- we've got a series of questions, so we can um, go through them and, okay. uh, and hear what you've got to say. Um, so, how, how long was you planning... To, to renovate like the, the, the um, before you committed to the to the project itself how long was you trying you were planning for it um, for about a year and a half maybe mm-hmm. two years yeah okay. yeah it was yeah it was in the pipeline for about two years because um, well I saw the back of my garden it was um, unused space and I used to put junk at the back of my garden yeah. And it was blocked by a humongous tree, so it was never used. And it just it was like a site right. that couldn't stand. And yeah, it was in a pipeline for a long time. And um, yeah, I had to get the money and get my head around it. And also, um, I had to consult the feng shui, so it had to be done at the right time in the right year. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. And, and was it your idea or was it like a joint idea? No, it's my idea. Okay. okay. Yeah. Good. Great. Um, and like, what was the first steps? Talk about like the, the, like, I don't know, like with the modeling process, did you speak to any architects or designers or any other professionals about, about doing this and going on this journey? Uh, yeah. So I spoke to somebody that had friends who were electricians okay, and also a landscaper just to see what was feasible and I sort of did a bit of groundwork into planning permissions and what was possible to do without needing a planning permission right okay could you talk a little bit more about that what what was what did you have to achieve or not do to to avoid going through the planning permission process so there's a planning portal um, on the British government 
planning portal site mm -hmm. and it's very specific about how much of your garden you could set aside for a outhouse they would call right and i think it's a certain percentage of your garden you can only use up to a certain percentage and also there were specific dimensions on how um, high and how big the outhouse could be mm -hmm. So it had to be lower than 2.5 meters. Okay. And the thing takes up less than 50% of your garden space. Right. And, and did you know that before you started planning it? Or is it something that you stumbled across that you had to do or discover? No, I just just um, did a bit of research, you know, uh -huh. Google. And yeah, all the information was very clear on the planning portal website. Yeah, it's quite helpful on that. It okay. is, yeah. Mm -hmm. Good. And um, I know it was your idea. So, what was the purpose of doing it? Like, what was what was what did you want to gain out of it? So, I need. I wanted to maximize the garden space. I wanted to utilize the extra three meters in my garden that I never got to use. I mean, it was literally dumping ground for hmm. the bins, and it was a tree, and nothing grew, and all my grass in my garden didn't grow because of that. I had a massive bay tree that was about five meters tall. So uh -huh. yeah, it was, it was taller than my house. So my garden was um, yeah suffering because of the tree. Right. So I decided I wanted to have an extra room, possibly use it as a yoga studio. Okay. So I just wanted a big open space with an ensuite and a smaller storage space. Right. Yeah. Nice. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, so other than the planning portal, how, how much other research did you do? Like talk about um, choosing products and making it your own. So I got, I got someone in initially to just have a look. Um, you know, we worked through whether how feasible it was to get plumbing, you know, mains into the outhouse mm -hmm. um, to get it um, electrified, if I can say that. So to get electricity into the outhouse and, yeah, decided I would save a couple of thousands if I didn't have a full-on ensuite or electricity, but it was worth it. It's worth doing the full the full works, really. Good. So, yeah. Good. Mm. Um, and as right, part of the research, did you already have like a figure in mind, a budget that you wanted to spend? Yes. Um, yes. So I, I set aside, I said, I thought it was going to be about twelve to 13,000 pounds. Okay. But it was nearly double that figure. Right. Unfortunately. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I was going to see if you, if you went over it. Okay. Um, and what was the key factors about going over it? Where, what areas did did you go over that you didn't think you would? So um, I got a couple of quotes from a couple of builders. Mm -hmm. So the cheapest way to have done it would have to be to build it out of wood. Okay. And which would be very much a temporary structure. Mm -hmm. And that would have been considerably less. Right. But then I decided I want to... Um, weatherproof the whole thing so that I could be in it throughout the whole year, you know, yeah, winter sense. winter and summer. And also I didn't want to have any problems in the long run. Mm -hmm. So the most expensive quote was to build it with um, concrete blocks, breeze blocks that was thermal insulated. Okay. So that bumped everything up by 4,000 pounds. Mm. And then I decided to go for really good doors and... Also, the ensuite just bumped everything up. Yeah. 
as well and all the little fittings you know I didn't I didn't want to save money on fittings and stuff like that so yeah I, I mean I did a lot of the work the finishing work myself but it was still materials are just extremely expensive at the moment yeah they are I mean it, it sounds like when you were going through the whole thought process and wanting to do this you wanted to do it right and you wanted it to last Yes. And I think that was the key factor, wasn't it? Like, yeah, it was going to done. be something that I wanted to be able to use or live in or rent out. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't I didn't really know what the end product was going to be for, you know, I didn't but I knew that I needed it to be fully functioning right. throughout the entire year. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um what was the best thing that happened in the renovation? If you could think of one really good thing that happened. Um, the best thing that happened was my friend was, uh, she bought a house mm-hmm. and she ripped up all the old floorboards in her, the property she bought. Okay. So I managed to salvage all those floorboards, which saved me about 400 pounds, wow. <laughs> which is not a lot in a grand scheme of things, but it looks amazing because we saved it. We sanded it down. We finished it off and it looks fantastic. Yeah. You can, you feel good about recycling something as well. Absolutely, yes. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just talk about the building companies. Um, was it difficult to find them? What? What? How did you go through that process of finding a, a suitable building company to do the work? Um, again, it was my friend who was already doing renovations and she had a company that she used quite a lot and they were based in the area I live in, which is East London. Mm-hmm. So he came out and gave me a quote and... I sort of was convinced to go with him, even though he was the most expensive, because when he spoke about it, it just gave me a great sense of confidence that he knew what he was doing. Because, you know, I didn't have any very thorough drawings. It was very organic process, the way I sort of designed the thing. I sort of knew how big and how tall I wanted it. I knew the footprint. I knew where the door was going to be. And I knew I wanted a flat roof with a skylight. And I knew the size of the shed, the storage space and the bathroom. So I say, this is like the rough footprint. And we're just going to build organically, basically, without a drawing. Good. And when they gave you the quotation, did they go over what they said? Like without letting you know? Or was there like a lot of discussion and a lot of talking through the whole process? There was a lot of discussion talking through. He gave me a quote and he says it's not going to go over this quote. It included everything except the fittings, right. which because I says I want to choose the fittings and I want to do the finishing mm-hmm. myself and those costs I will incur myself. Okay. Yeah. Good. Um, what was your experience like working with the building company itself? I mean, you've already said this; it was a friend, but... Um, could you just talk about that? Maybe it could help people. Right. So you would need to be on site quite a lot. If you're not going to have any specific drawings, then you need to be able to communicate with the builder what you want, because what you think in your head is not what they can see, what you want. Mm -hmm. So it's a daily, it's a daily, daily process where you have to like be here talk to them, tell them what you want or else it's going to go terribly wrong because what Mr. A is going to think and what you're going to think is completely different. Yeah. Yep. So like, and then I'm quite particular about little details, how things finish and how things look. Mm. So I had to be available 
every single day and sort of supervise the build from beginning to the end. And we did run into some problems, which is um, the guy that was left by the head of the company to do the build, um, he was just extremely slow. So the project was meant to finish a complete in five weeks, but it went on for about eight weeks. So my house was turned into a building site itself because they left all their tools and building materials in my main house. And instead of living on a building site for six weeks, I lived on a building site for more than eight weeks. Gosh. Yeah. So what was the communication part? Like, how did you speak to the owner of the building company about that? How, how did you handle that situation? Um, when it came up to like the seventh week, I just go, I would, you know, I was pretty fed up that mm-hmm. it was going extremely slowly because, yeah, as building companies go, they probably have a few jobs on the go at the same time. So some days they won't turn up because they'll be doing another job and they won't communicate that with me. Yeah. So I would be like, where are you? Like this job needs to finish. So in the end I have to, I said, this is the deadline. I need everything out by this day. I just don't want to see your face. I don't want to see the tools anymore. <laughs> bit, bit of tough action there. It, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Or else they would just drag it on forever. Um, my next question is about, um, did you manage the project yourself? And I think it was quite obvious you did. Um, yes, I did. But, yeah. And um, was it because you, I mean, you wanted to take ownership. I, I feel that's what you wanted to do. And um, But how about the flexibility, like making yourself flexible and available to do to be on site all the time? How did how did you handle that situation? Uh, well, because I, I work quite close to work. So if needed, I would come home, sort of supervise the thing, go back to work. But yeah, you need you need to be by your phone because they would call and ask random questions, and you needed to be able to provide that. I mean, an example was, oh yeah, so we're going to do this bit and this bit and this bit. So this would take week one week. This would take two weeks, and then suddenly they go, we need the doors now, uh. and yeah. Well, but the doors take eight weeks to sort of arrive because you sort of measure the the opening and you order the doors mm. which so I've got these amazing bifolding doors they open all the way oh, wow. and they were custom made to fit the um, opening of the hole mm. in the uh, summer house if I yeah if I call that yeah call it that yeah. so yeah these custom made doors takes about six to eight weeks so I say as well it's just not going to happen and then you know so things basically the time scales of things sort of didn't match up with the time scales of things arriving. The next one was the skylight. I had a beast book skylight mate. So it's a massive piece of glass that sat on top of my roof. Right. And that was two meters by one meter, very big. And they were doing the roof. And then when we need the box frame for the skylight, I'm like, well, that's not going to arrive till a week later. So, you know, there was delays on my part, but also it wasn't communicated to me in advance that they needed these things now, there and then, or on this particular date. So they were working organically and so was I. Right, okay. Yeah. okay. There, was no, there was no schedule, if you know <laughs> what I mean, yeah. I think in a, in, a, in a proper building site, there would be a project manager and there would be a proper schedule when things need to be on site and, you know, put in place. Yeah, that was going to be my next question, actually. Like, if, if, um, if, we, if someone else is listening and they're thinking about doing... 
um, a project like this where it does require a lot of attention to detail and a lot of involvement um, so that you get it just how you want it. Um, but you were, but you weren't available or they wouldn't be available and they have to be at work. Do you think a pro- hiring a project manager um, would be a good idea for something oh, like yeah. this? I would say definitely. I mean, my, my background is in design anyway, so I've worked extensively on interior projects myself. So I I know that I can sort of manage it myself. Mm-hmm. But if you're not experienced in building yeah. or in ordering stuff or liaising with a building company, then I would say definitely get someone on board that can do the drawings, that understands design, that can project manage and liaise with the builders. Great. Okay. Um, What was the biggest challenge that you faced during the project? The biggest challenge was to get it finished within the time frame, really, because I had a vision and the vision sort of grew throughout the weeks. And I knew that the build was sort of stretched. Mm. So it went from, like I said, four to six weeks to eight weeks. And then on top of that, I had to finish the build myself. So it went, it went up to about 10 weeks altogether. Gosh. Yeah. And then when, when the build was finished, I sort of had to sort out my main house because the floors in my house were quite badly scratched from all the building materials being dragged in and out, in and out. Mm. Okay. I mean, with, um, you know, dealing with it yourself and going from the beginning to the end, would you say that, um, because people say that you you go through a phase, you go through excited to then when it starts, it's like really um, hesitant in in, in like, you know, you're feeling a bit worried about it. And then there's, so it's like a roller coaster. But yeah. yeah? So you went through a lot of that. Oh, yeah. I mean, when when they demolished my, old outhouse I was like oh my god is this the right thing I'm doing (laughs) or have I made a mistake in chopping down that massive bay tree that housed all the amazing birds living there and then it went from oh my god you know when they started to lay the first brick and then you could see the structure and the skeleton of the summer house going up that was so exciting because it transformed you know I could step in there even without the roof, I could I could sense, you know, the space and how that space was going to be so user-friendly. And then, but then the project just, you know, I think things move quite quickly at first. Yeah. And then it starts to slow down because it's like tiny details. You know, you need the gutter, you need the roof, you need this and you need that. And then some things take much longer than others because you have to wait for a contractor that was the plumber or the contractor that was the electrician. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there was always a... A, a waiting period and that made you a little bit anxious because you just wanted it to move and you wanted it to be over so that you can sort of do the finishing like the painting of the inside of the walls you know I wanted to do like a special lime wash finish and wow. so yeah the waiting for it to be completed for the builders to be gone so I can finish a project that took so long and it felt like like eternity <laughs> yep, and I just wanted it to be done so I can get my life back. Back on track. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, my flatmates and I we were all living on a building site. It was always cold in the house because we had the back door to the garden open throughout the whole winter. Yeah, and, you know, it was raining a little bit, so the house was always a bit muddy. So, yeah, it was it was quite painful. Yeah. But it was worth it, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good. Um, what was your favourite element of the finished project?
project? Like, what is your favourite element of the finished project and why? Um, so I, I did a bit of research into the cladding of the uh, my summer house and I decided to go for a cedar cladding, but I charred it. So it's like an old Japanese method where you torch the cladding so it sort of becomes really black and sooty. Okay. And that itself is like a self-preserving method to preserve the wood. Wow. So the whole exterior of the summer house is black but you can still see the veins of the cedar wood that I used and it's extremely beautiful because it's very matte so it doesn't look painted it just looks burnt Sounds but it's beautiful. extremely beautiful and extremely organic and it sits so beautifully at the back of the garden good and you can sit back on a summer's evening and thinking it was all worth it absolutely I mean I'm sitting out here in the garden now and you know when we first finished the project I mean, I, me and my flatmates, we couldn't stop standing in the house, just looking back out in the garden going, oh, my God, it's the sexiest thing ever. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, if you had to do it all over again, what would you do differently? Um, yeah, the only thing I would have done differently is I would have sort of built maybe the bifolding door slightly different so I get a bit more ventilation. This, this um, summer house is built so well, it's so um, airtight that right now we've got a heat wave in London, so it's 34 degrees. When I'm sitting in there, I can't do yoga because it's so hot. And with the skylight, it's like a greenhouse, so it's, it gets so hot in the daytime, so you can hardly breathe. So the only way to be in there is to open all the doors to allow some kind of draft to come through the garden. Nah. Yep, so it needs to have some proper ventilation. And the second thing I would have done differently is I would have hidden the gutters behind the cladding. So right now you can actually see the gutter in front of the house. It's black, so okay. it's not like, it doesn't pop up if you're not looking at it, but okay. because I know it's there, so I see it, yeah, hmm. very much. So it's a, it's a design flaw on my side. Right, right, right. Um, okay, and last question. Um, your best tip for a renovation, for a beginner that's going to go in and do a renovation, what's the best tip you could offer? For a beginner, I would definitely get a professional on board as well. Because mm -hmm. if you're a beginner, you've never done this before. It's like a minefield of things that you need. You might be able to write a list down, but then a professional would be able to sort of put it down on paper do a schedule for you and plan everything for you because there are so many things that you need to think about, especially when it comes to finishes. And if you're not sort of, you know, sort of experienced in this area, then, yeah, I would say it's, it's actually, actually quite difficult. All right. Good. That was really good. Um, Serene, thank you very much for coming on the Property Renovation Podcast. Um, I'm sure that will really help a lot of people. So, uh, yeah, and enjoy. Enjoy the, the rest of the summer in your summer house. Thank you very much. No problem. Okay, I'll speak to you soon. Okay, take care. Bye. Bye-bye.